You're listening to episode 56 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today's guest is going to be talking to us about how to turn our inner critic into our own personal coach. You know, that little voice in the back of your head that just keeps stopping you from reaching what you desperately want to get to And this is going to help you to turn all of that around. My guest is Jenny Halbert, who is the founder of Wild Wellness. And Jenny inspires others to bring more nature and adventure into their workouts, their health, and their life so that they can actually live their dreams. She has degrees in exercise science and sports psychology, and she really blends her expertise in fitness, positive psychology, and essential oils to teach others how to train a healthy body and mind because both of them are so interrelated. Jenny also really believes in lifestyle choices and has a really powerful mindset that can help you move mountains in your workouts and life. And I love her message, which is when wild women wake, mountains will move. And this is a really, really powerful episode. Jenny gives some really, really tangible tips that we can take and use in our everyday life. We even cover things like adrenal issues, what they are and working through them. We talk about the biggest thing that is holding you back when it comes to your goals and really figuring out how to get to the goals that you want. Digging into the why, which we've talked about on this podcast before, and and Jenny has a really great perspective on that. So without further ado, I'm going to let you get to it and enjoy this episode because there is so much goodness absolutely jam-packed in here. I'm very excited to bring you my friend, Jenny. Jenny, how are you? Wonderful. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Emily. Thank you so much for taking the time for being here. I'm really excited about this. You you reached out to me um, about some things that you wanted to talk about, and I just I loved what you had to say, and I'm really really pumped for this. So, tell us a little bit about a little bit more about you, like your your story, how you got to where you are today, what got you interested in in what you're doing today. Tell us all the things, all the details. <laughs> for sure, and I love the backstory because I think for anyone listening, it's. It's something that you can relate to on some level, hopefully, you know, and maybe not all parts of it, but it also just helps to lead into probably our entire conversation, you know, because we all come from somewhere and it all starts somewhere. So for me, I actually grew up on a farm in Ohio, and I mentioned that because I think it really had a huge influence on my passion for nature and the things that I have come to enjoy in life and sort of my um, my belief about our connection to nature. And even though I, I grew up in that kind of setting, I did struggle throughout my teenage years with an eating disorder. And that was a, a turning point or another huge um, shift lesson in my life because even though I did grow up with that sort of connection, I, I got away from it for a while, it, it almost seemed like. And it was really that idea of going back to nature and realizing that simplifying food and eating was partially about getting back to the natural world around me and just embracing the food that nature provides. 
um, to really get over and kind of heal from that and re- and recover. So it wasn't actually even until college that I really had a turning point and started learning more about food and nutrition and where it comes from. And like I said, that was another thing that helped me recover from that. But in all of that, I was really interested overall in very holistic approaches to health and in medicine. And I actually started out as a pre-med major, and then I switched to exercise science and then went on to get my master's in sports psychology. And I think it was, again, because of that holistic approach, I could see my future in pre-med was going to not be necessarily the vision I had for being able to help people with their health in the way that I thought that, you know, I could best help them with that. And so when I started my career after exercise science and sports psychology training, I was working as a personal trainer and creating fitness programs for people working one-on-one and in groups. But I also, again, was pulling in all of those other approaches and sort of the holistic view and helping people, you know, with the mindful eating and talking about essential oils. That's kind of when I began incorporating those into my work and teaching really about self-directed health and not just the self-care in the sense that we sometimes hear it out there with, you know, taking bubble baths or going to get a massage, but more so taking ownership of the fact that we have the power to care for ourselves in a way that only we can do for ourselves on a regular basis. And all of this kind of came at an interesting time for me when I was teaching more of this holistic approach because I ended up having a lot of adrenal fatigue issues and I went and got tests through um, my modern medicine approach and I was a little frustrated because the test came back normal, so to speak. And, you know, they were basically going to give me a prescription for an antidepressant. And I, it really reminded me that symptom chasing can be so frustrating for people and not true health. And so much of that reminded me that, you know, it's so important for us to really have that self-directed health care. And, and for me at that time, I needed to learn better ways to honor both work and effort and then also rest and understand the balance between the two. And it's why I'm so passionate now about helping people learn about natural health and mindful movement. And I think it's because the thing I've noticed is that stress and our energy levels and even self-doubt and the pressure to be successful enough, fast enough, strong enough, skinny enough, good enough, all these things. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we think those things will make us healthier and happier. So all of the experiences and challenges that I had really led me to these tools and lifestyle practices that I use to help women manage their energy and turn their inner critic into their inner coach and really embrace that healthy lifestyle that is truly inspired by nature. So for Wild Wellness, which is the the brand that I'm working on creating and sharing with people, and and really I see it as kind of I'm the vessel for it, Uh, Wild is an acronym for women into living their dreams. And it kind of was inspired actually by that ancient Chinese proverb that says, when sleeping women wake, mountains will move. And for me, it kind of goes like when wild women wake, mountains will move. So in other words, when women into living their dreams, awaken to that full potential through healthy lifestyle choices and a powerful mindset, then those mountains, so to speak, or or goals that we have, they all become more possible with that. 
I love so much of what you just said. Like one thing in particular that I actually wrote down and highlighted is self-care and taking ownership of the fact that we have the power to care for ourselves. I think that that mm -hmm. in and of itself is so powerful because we we're always looking for some external being a lot of times, like external something like pill or, or diet mm -hmm. or, or something we can do to fix whatever problem we're, we're having and taking ownership of that is so incredibly empowering. And, and that's such, that's just a, a really powerful statement in and of itself. I think that's, that's amazing. And I absolutely love about women uh, into living their dreams and the, the proverb as well, about when, when sleeping um, women or wild women wake mountains will move and just reaching that full potential. I, I can't wait to hear more about this because I'm just, I'm so excited. One thing I want to ask you about mm. is I feel like there's always, um, I feel like there's always some confusion about what adrenal issues actually entail. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Because it's also tends to be a term that gets thrown around a lot now, like adrenal fatigue. And I think a lot of times people forget what that can actually mean. I agree. It is a term that sometimes even not really acknowledged in certain health conversations or, or health groups and in other groups that maybe is a little confusing as to what it is. So for me, in my understanding anyway, uh, the adrenal glands are what create and release hormones in our body and primarily our stress hormones. And so those hormones are actually what regulate our energy production and storage, immunity, our heart rate, and a lot of other processes that help us cope with and respond to stress. And stress comes in a lot of forms. Your body doesn't distinguish the difference between a physical crisis like an illness or an emotional time like the death of a loved one. Your nervous system and the adrenal glands respond to stress to maintain that homeostasis and balance in the body. And it can respond regardless of whether it's physical or emotional. So things like not having the right foods in your diet or getting too little sleep, having a chronic illness or being exposed to a lot of environmental toxins or just feeling stressed out for a prolonged period of time, any of those things could contribute to the adrenals overworking by putting out a lot of stress hormones. And over time, I guess it's not really true to say that they truly get fatigued. I mean, they might get tired, but they don't truly wear out. It's more that they're dysfunctioning. You know, they're um, constantly putting out those, those stress uh, hormones because of the chronic stressors, and that has a cumulative effect. So for a lot of different um, reasons, and then a lot of different ways that it shows up, <laughs> there's some overlapping symptoms, which I think sometimes makes it difficult to distinguish what's really going on. That's why for me, it even took a while. I had a little hunch and just from researching on my own that that's what was going on, but it was confusing then. Like I said, when I went to my medical doctor and, and they did blood work and even um, looked at my heart and things like that, because I was having some heart palpitations and they looked at all of that and were like, yeah, everything looks pretty normal. And then, you know, I took it to a functional medical practitioner and they looked at it in a whole different light. And um, that's kind of what got me on the path to recovery. But what I had going on was I was tired all the time. It was beyond normal fatigue, what I had experienced before. And I was tired when I woke up. I would sometimes get a little burst of energy later in the day, like around five o'clock. But in the afternoon, it was total bonk. And I had some weird muscle aches and pains that I hadn't had before. And of course, I was 
uh, working out. You know, I'm a runner and I was training for some things. So I was used to what normal aches and pains felt like or what, you know, from workouts would feel like. But it was beyond that. It was kind of ongoing and I didn't feel like I was recovering very quickly. I also had some allergies to seasonal things, it seemed, that I didn't have before in my life. I was getting sick more often, had digestive problems, uh, definitely craving more sweet foods, feeling run down, overwhelmed. I remember the emotional state that I was in was I did not feel like myself. I felt like things that would normally be easy for me to manage were really throwing me off, and I was getting very upset and kind of riding this emotional roller coaster. So like I said, it can often be misdiagnosed or difficult to identify because blood tests often are measuring cortisol and other stress hormones that just appear normal. But in my case, cortisol was kind of on the low end of normal. But, you know, for me, it was it was too low. I was not feeling normal. And so sometimes the test is that's best to kind of identify the cortisol is actually through a saliva test because it's going to measure your cortisol levels and, and other hormones, too at varying levels of the day, in the morning, mid, midday, um, afternoon, and evening, because your cortisol levels do naturally change throughout the day. So it's important to see kind of what's going on and look at that pattern. So that's why I recommend getting to someone that can take that holistic perspective on it so they can help you on that road to recovery with the help of supplements possibly and lifestyle changes for sure. Absolutely. And it is interesting too, because I, I definitely find there is total value in both Western and Eastern medicine. They both have their, their place. They're both appropriate in yeah. certain areas and, and there's lots to be grateful for, for both. But I do find that Western medicine um, testing, they tend to have a much wider range of what they consider to be normal. Whereas if you take like what you did, took um, that test to an actual, like a, another type of professional who looks at things more holistically, like a naturopath or, or whatever, they're going mm -hmm. to have a much more narrow range as to what is considered normal. And then you can actually start to really pinpoint some, some issues that, uh, that you might need to, to work on. I mean, the other thing is too, is that it's, it almost says something to me as you were listing a lot of the, the symptoms that you were experiencing. It says something to me that I feel like so many of us can relate to that entire list of symptoms, like on a daily basis. And that's not to say <laughs> right. that like we all have adrenal fatigue, but I think that that should be a wake up call that it's not normal to feel that way. Like it's really common, but it's not normal. And there's a huge, huge difference. So I'm really glad that, that you highlighted that. Yeah. It's interesting. You said that too, because, um, I remember now looking back when I had that season where I really became apparent to me that something was off. But as I look back months before that, and even years before that, I was definitely starting to notice things that were off and just not really paying attention enough to look into them harder. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a progression for sure. And I think it always is. And it's not until you really hit at that certain point where, you know, you realize for yourself, okay, this is totally not normal, that it's um, what you take massive action on, but reflecting back and, and looking at that idea now, like you said, if there's some things that you're noticing, yeah, those, those don't have to be the normal, you know, even though they, they feel normal to us because they're ongoing, just because it's ongoing doesn't mean it's normal. So better to kind of rein it in and take care of yourself so well now so that you don't have to reach that breaking point. Well, that's just it. And, and I mean, what are some of the biggest things that you feel hold people back when it comes to 
their, their health overall and even their fitness by extension as well. Like what are, what are some of the, the beliefs that people are holding onto really tightly that are actually doing them more harm than anything else? Mm. I think as far as beliefs, one of them is about our, that feeling of enoughness and our worthiness of what we can feel. So I guess to kind of say it concisely, if you, if you feel the sense that you're always pushing for going farther, going faster, that wasn't enough. I didn't do it long enough. I didn't do it good enough. Kind of that perfectionist tendency and type A personality. I think sometimes that's what gets us landed in that place of feeling really burnout because we don't necessarily manage our energy. It's always an outward push and an energy pouring out and not paying attention to the energy fill ups and where we need to pull energy in. Because I don't think it's a a finite resource. It's kind of this ebb and flow. You know, we can give ourselves energy through the things that we do and we can also then pour it out. And it's kind of this constant shift. So sometimes all we need to do is change our state and shift our energy. And some of the things that we can do to fill ourselves up would be sleeping more or even, you know, being able to move in a way that's actually enjoyable. Sometimes I think we do those things that we think we should do, or just because we've been doing a particular workout for a long period of time, and we kind of get stuck in that pattern, you know, maybe you've always been a runner, so you're just continuing to run, instead of experimenting with the idea that maybe you'd like to try biking, or maybe you'd like to try swimming, or try some yoga for a while, you know, just doing something completely different to maybe fill up your energy in a different way can be really um, a huge shift for a lot of people. And also just the idea of giving yourself a break or a day off. You know, if you're questioning the, should I go do this today? I'm kind of sore. I'm kind of tired. Or should I take the day off? If you're questioning whether you should be taking the day off, you probably should take a day off or maybe not going to take it completely off, but it, you know, do something else that feels a little bit more aligned with how you're feeling. And the other thing that I do for myself is I use aromatherapy. So essential oils are a huge part of my self-directed health and they infiltrate so many areas of my life, but to help me get good sleep at night, to help um, my mindset and my energy first thing in the morning when I'm waking up, you know, when we smell essential oils, they have compounds in them that are naturally found in the plants that really stimulate our nervous system or shift our brain chemistry in a way that helps us to focus or to have better um, memory and even to shift our mood, you know, on a cloudy, dreary day in the winter. So it's a really powerful, subtle way to, to use those things for a mindset shift. And there's a lot of other ways that I use them too, but it's just the simple things. It's really starting, you know, I think the, the going back to your question with what kind of stops people or what are some of the things that hold people back when it comes to their health and fitness. I think sometimes it's the overwhelm of what do I start with? And it's just so important that we just start, that we just pick one thing and work with that for a few weeks or a month and just have it be so basic that then after that month, it becomes part of your routine. And now it's just something that you do. Because as I look back on my health journey and just my life in general, but specifically the things that I do to take care of myself, that's really how they all became a part of my life and their second nature now. Mm, so, so good. I, I really like that you, that you touched on 
making things enjoyable too. And like building in some diversity because a lot of us, I'm totally a creature of habit as well. And I, I'll just kind of yeah. get stuck in a rut, right? And that's really easy to do. Like we're human. We, we like our routines. We don't really like change that much as a species overall. And sometimes we need to shake it up to find something new that is going to give back to us in ways that whatever we've been doing hasn't been or haven't, haven't been <laughs> because it can be mm -hmm. really easy to get stuck in that rut. And I think it's so important to actually enjoy how we are moving, enjoy how we are working out, enjoy how, how we're eating. All of those things are so, so crucial to give us that, that pouring of energy into us before we start pouring it all back out into everything else that we're working on. Yeah. And so many times it's, I think, a lack of clarity overall of knowing what you want to be moving for. Like, why does it matter that you're moving your body, exercising, you know, incorporating the, the workout and uh, yeah, what is it for and why does it matter? I think so often, again, we get into that should mode and that just habitual mode that it might be worth stopping and reflecting what does this mean to me? Why is it important? Or what am I doing exactly? Sometimes we just need that new kind of stretch, reach, something out there that we haven't done before, maybe something totally new. Um, you know, like I remember it was about a year ago that I really wanted to be able to do more pull-ups, like just body weight pull-ups. I felt like that just makes me feel strong to be able to lift my own body weight. I think it's a practical you know, life applicable movement. And it wasn't for any other reason other than I just, it was the way it made me feel to be able to do that. So I started working it and I started, you know, doing it on a regular basis to the point that now I can do about four just without like, you know, any assistance, just total body weight. And I want to go beyond that and keep working at it. But it just, it was a simple goal that I, that I had that, you know, it was, I was clear on what it was. I wanted to do at first, it was just two or three, um, pull-ups because I was kind of in between the two and then it was working up from there and it's a slow process but the why I realized was was more about that strength you know but not just the physical strength but then the inner strength of kind of knowing if I can do this physically like I'm, I'm a stronger person overall like it's it's also the commitment that I'm making to do something on a regular basis and what that takes as part of my doing what I said I was going to do for myself and how that reminds me that if I do that in this case, then I'm more likely to do that in other cases in my life too. So with the, with the knowing what you're wanting and why you're wanting it, I often give the analogy of like imagining that you're showing up to the start line of a running race next week and you know that you want to run, but you have no idea what the distance is. It could be a short 5k it could be like 100 miles you have no idea you're not clear on the goal and you're not even sure of like what the course is either because it's not really well marked so it sounds ridiculous that anybody would sign up for that and actually want to do that right but we do that all the time when we say like I want to work out more I want to be able to um, have better energy but then you're not taking the time to clarify what does that mean what does that actually look like what is how are you going to know that you have more energy? What are you going to be able to do in your life? What, what are you going to be feeling when you're doing that? And all those things that go along with having clarity on that one particular goal. Girl, you were reading my mind because I was just thinking when you, <laughs> when you were talking about like just starting with something and then you started talking about goals, I started thinking about how people always say, 
I think like 80% of, of New Year's resolutions are probably something along the lines of, I want to eat better and, and work out more. Like, what does that yeah. mean? <laughs> we, yeah. we don't get clear on it. And then we also don't establish a why, which is so important for reaching any goal. We have to have that why. That is going to give us the purpose that we need to actually push through because we're not always going to feel motivated to work on that goal either. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really important to remember. And also just a side note, I love that you have been working on, on pull-ups. That is a personal goal of mine as well. <laughs> And I think it, it's awesome that you can reach four. So good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, oh, I said that too, because it is such a slow process because I literally started, like I could think I could do one when I started, but kind of two came pretty quickly. Um, but like literally I've been working on it for at least a year and I'm still only to doing four body weight. So I mean, whether that's good, bad, whatever, I'm not labeling it. But just to me, that means that it's, it's one of those things that, builds over time, you know, and granted, I have actually gone through seasons where I wasn't, you know, I, I got on a path of really focusing on that and building up to it. And then I had a season there where, uh, for whatever reason, physically, I was kind of focusing on something else. And so I did let that go a little bit. But when I got back to it, you know, I realized I kind of picked up right where I left off and, and just building from there. So I mean, that's okay, too. Sometimes we're pretty hard on ourselves for like, oh, I've totally dropped the ball on this. I haven't been working out. I haven't been to the gym. I haven't been to the class. I haven't done the thing that I wanted to do. And then we give that weight and reason for why we're not doing it again now. And so instead of doing that, I just kind of let that go by the wayside, let the inner critic kind of have her little chatter and was like, it's okay. I'm, I'm getting back to it now. I was doing that other thing for a little while and focusing on, you know, this and it just didn't happen, but I'm, I'm good. I'm back to it now. And, and I want to work on this. So we can talk about the inner critic too, because I think that can be a big part of motivation. I'd love to. Yeah. I mean, most of us are our own worst critics. So what can we do to kind of turn that to our advantage? And I mean, like you said before, turning our, um, turning our inner critic into our inner coach. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize what happens when we try to make a change, because when we do something that's different, our body notices, and usually there's some resistance to that. It's just natural. And it's kind of that thing we can probably all relate to when you do start a new workout, for example, and you feel really good about it after the first day. And then on day two, you feel like you're a little bit sore. So it's like, oh, good. I feel like I did something yesterday. And, you know, it might give you a little bit of a boost that you're on the right track. But then by days three and four, and you're feeling even more tired and, and kind of more sore from it, you start to have this spiral of criticism. Uh, this is going to be hard. I'm more out of shape than I thought I was. I'm not really good at making these changes, all of those kinds of things. And that negative self-talk can really be the thing that makes us start feeling uncomfortable. And even though those are natural feelings to have when you are working, starting to work out again, you know, to feel that soreness and feel that uncomfortable change. It's just our body noticing, hey, you're sore. This is time to do something else. I don't like this. It feels uncomfortable. And so kind of convinces us to stop. But on the flip side, when we do stick with it, and we can get past that period of saying, yeah, I know this is normal. Okay, I'm aware that there's this feeling going on of kind of uncomfortableness of starting something new. Um, but I'm going to move forward with it anyway, because I know that I will get past this then what happens from there is we start to have a positive experience with it. And our body is flooded with these chemicals of, of feel good, positive, you know, you're programmed for 
working towards that activity or that change in a better way. And so the key is really to stick with that transition period while your body creates that setup for uh, adopting that change. And this is kind of the stage where if you do hire the inner coach to take the lead over the inner critic and you keep going, then you'll be able to stick with your plans a lot more easily. So that inner critic, which sometimes people call our inner mean girl, it's it's the one that's going to start to ruin our best intentions or play that negative self-talk, give us excuses, but becoming aware of that voice and knowing when it's showing up, asking, okay, well, why is this showing up? Like, what's, what's the big deal? What, what is she trying to show me here? And then ultimately saying, okay, thanks. I appreciate that heads up, but I'm going to move forward anyway. Those are sort of the three keys that I found to manage that and to get through it and turn it into our advantage because it really can give us momentum if we just become aware, realize what it's there for, and then move forward anyway. Yeah. Working through that resistance is just so, so key. Although I do want to know how, how do we decipher between when we need to keep pushing through the resistance and when we, when something just actually isn't working for us and maybe then we need to Mm. like readjust our goal a little bit. Yeah, that's a good question. It kind of makes me remember going back to the why and if it is an alignment. So if it's truly something that is in alignment with your goal, what you're wanting to do, why you're wanting to do it, maybe it's assessing, okay, well, is this the right path anymore? Maybe you're questioning, is there something else I need to try? I think, I think it's a gut check. Honestly, for me, I, I don't know if it's anything but intuition uh, and practice of knowing that you can choose again, no matter where you're at. And if you want to try something new, that's completely okay. And it doesn't mean you can't come back to it and try it again. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you are going to be wrong or um, kind of take the, take the worst path if you do choose something else. I think it's just being, having that willingness to try something new. Absolutely. And I think of an, yeah, I think of an example, um, that I think of with the inner critic often just because it kind of brings up all of those pieces of it for me. If if you uh, bike at all, or even if you run, I'm sure you can relate to this when there's hills on a particular route that you're going on a trailer or the road, there's certain hills, maybe certain routes that you run that have more hills in them. And when you get to that hill, it's kind of you're, you might even be anticipating the pain and the discomfort that comes with running up a hill and kind of reaching that max exertion at times. So it can be a mental block a little bit. And I, I was thinking about the fact that as I was approaching certain hills on certain routes that I run, that I often hear my inner critics start to say, like, you're not going to make it. This is hard. You're going to have to walk part of this today. Like, just slow down. And if I were to ask, like, okay, what's she trying to show me here? Like, what's the point of this this resistance coming up. And it's simply that reminder to avoid pain and not push my body too far. And it's good that we have that built in protective mechanism in our body that keeps us in check, right? (laughs) I mean, otherwise, we would possibly push ourselves too far. So it kind of goes back to what you were just saying about, okay, well, what, how do you know, you know, on those days that maybe you do want to walk part of that hill because you don't want to push yourself too hard. Or maybe it's a day that like, no, this is my day to go hard. And I'm feeling like I'm just going to do this. So when the inner critic shows up with those thoughts and you can acknowledge, okay, she's just trying to keep me safe here and keep me in check. 
then you can decide, well, what, what kind of day is this for me? Like, is it a day for me to push myself or do I, do I truly not feel um, like it's that day for me? Do I feel like it's more of an easy day where I need to give my body a break a little bit? And sometimes that's knowing what season you're in. And as far as I talk about inner seasons a lot lately with our, with women, especially as menstrual cycle kind of goes from our winter season of feeling really more inward and not so energetic to our summer season when we're ovulating of feeling super energetic. That's probably a whole different topic, but it just, we, we feel different at different times of the month in our bodies. So as a woman, it might even be checking in with where am I at in my cycle and how is that playing into my energy levels here? And I think if we, if we tune into that and we truly ask and we, we get out of the way of having to do it a certain way or, or the should. And most of all, if it becomes a practice of starting to notice how you act in those situations, I think it starts to become easier to recognize just by practicing and, and kind of letting that show up over and over again. So then you start to, you start to know when you are pushing it just because it's sort of your your default reaction of like, well, this is just what I do. I, I need to feel good about this. I need to push myself because I need to feel like I did something versus, you know, having that moment where, okay, I'm, I'm okay to do it this way today because I know this is what's best for my body. I think it's practice. Mm, yeah, it is absolutely practice. And it, it just comes with with time, but we're, we're often so impatient that we want to skip past that part. <laughs> we're like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, I want to go hard right now. I've talked about this so much on, on the podcast on previous episodes too, because yeah. we, we often will end up in a season that we don't want to be in that season. I've experienced that so many times, like we're all be in winter, but I want to be in summer. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. I, I, there's, there's work I've got to do here before I can get to summer because you can't yeah. just, you can't skip a season. You have to to work through it. Otherwise it's going to kind of come back and, and bite you. And it's not going to go very well. That's for sure. <laughs> right. It's the importance of having the plan, but not falling in love with the plan. Like that's kind of what goes off in my head a lot. Like know what you're wanting to accomplish. No, I go back to the running example of the hills, like know what your workout is for the week. Know that you want to go, you know, hard a certain number of days, and then you're going to take a certain number of days easy. But if you have to adjust along the way, you're not falling in love with that plan. Because one day, maybe you didn't get a very good sleep the night before, maybe you're going to have to adjust because of that. And whatever adjustment that is, that's for you to decide. But you know, it's, it's good to have that overall idea, and then not fall in love with it so much that you can't be flexible and adapt to it based on what you need to do for yourself. And it's practice, it's play, and it's not taking it too seriously either. You know, I think we, we get so like, oh, do I make the, am I making the right decision? How do, how do I know what to do and when? And, and sometimes like, it's just coming back to the idea of keep it playful, keep it adventurous, and don't take it too seriously. For sure. And I mean, we, a lot of this, I feel like, especially when, when we work through, you know, practicing and, and getting better at figuring out which season we're in and what's working for us and what isn't and our goals and all that. I think a lot of that really ends up building confidence, but what mm -hmm. is like the how to that can seem a lot more daunting. Like a lot of the things that we've talked yeah. about can help lead there, but do you have any other, any other tips that, that you would suggest to help build confidence? Yeah, for sure. I, I studied this a lot in my uh, undergraduate and graduate degrees in sports psychology. It's, self-efficacy and that's our belief and our ability to do something 
And it's essentially what we kind of call confidence in a way. And one of the ways that you build belief and confidence is actually drawing from your past experiences. So if you think about something that you did in the past uh, and reflect on that time when you were successful at accomplishing those things that you didn't think you could do, doesn't even have to be related to the thing that you're wanting to do now. It could be, but you can also draw on other experiences where you've been successful at something and you reflect on those moments, you know, think about what did I accomplish? How did I accomplish it? What did I have to do in order to accomplish that? What kind of person was I like? What kind of traits and things um, did I implement that, that I had to bring into this and help those help those ideas channel you to achieve that future goal and let that be, you know, the kind of the framework for what it says about your ability now and your future ability. And the other thing that kind of goes along with that is getting motivation and confidence and more belief before you develop a habit, a habit of it, um, simply because you are visualizing it. So a lot of times we'll say, you know, see it to believe it, or even vice versa, believe it in order to see it. In this case, it's definitely see it to believe it. So the visualization is a powerful tool. It's not only uh, seeing it to believe it when it comes to self-efficacy, but it's, it's believing and seeing those results. So it's not just believing in the confidence that you have or believing in yourself, but believing in those results that can come from it. So visualization primes your brain for that success and reaching that goal because it enhances your belief in yourself. It helps you see the smaller steps that you need to take to reach your end goal. And that's usually the next step that you need to take. It's not, you know, when we get in visualization, sometimes it can be this huge picture of what we want in the end. And sometimes that can be super overwhelming. So it does bring us back to, okay, we visualize it. And now we're also seeing the small steps in that next one that I need to take. And the last thing that I would say would be actually looking for uh, role models. And this kind of goes into comparison on the flip side, because we can look for people that we look up to, but then something that kind of gets us stuck sometimes is comparison mode. When we're comparing our start line, even to someone else's finish line, like we don't see the whole picture and all the miles that they've put in, you know, so to speak, speaking metaphorically, but when you know that seeing someone else's success and comparing yourself is actually you seeing yourself in them and you admire that because you know that you're on that same path and you can kind of look to that person as a role model for your course, then it, it kind of changes everything with that comparison mode. So when you see someone else succeed, especially someone you identify with, you know, you're more apt to believe that you can achieve it too. So look for those people. And instead of comparing and being like, oh, they're doing it better. They're doing what I want to do. Why didn't I think of that first? Or, oh my gosh, they're, they have it all together and I'm just struggling, you know, rein in those times of, of feeling at your worst and comparing yourself to people and, and try to get into the practice of reminding yourself what I see in them is what I see in myself. And that's what's possible for me. That is so powerful. But what you see in them is, is what you see in yourself. I really want to highlight that because I think that's such an important thing to remember. And a lot of us, especially in the age of the internet and social media, we are getting stuck in yeah. comparison. We're looking at everyone around us and we're so busy doing that, that we're not, we're not creating our own stuff or we aren't, you know, from a business perspective or, um, 
you know, mm-hmm. we just, we feel like everything is, is too far out of reach and they're, they're doing it better. But I think it is really important to make sure that we are looking at the fact that a lot of, a lot of people that I look up to will actually flat out say, you know, there's nothing particularly special about me. And I think that that's really important to keep in mind because when we, when we remember that, then we recognize, you know what, like I, I can do this. If they can do this and they've made it happen, then I can do this too. Like I can, I can work at something. I can set a goal. I can continue to push towards it, you know, come up with your why, whatever your why is, and that that helps to make it possible for you. I think that's really, really important. The other thing about visualization was that visualization is so powerful and you, you would know that better than anyone because it's used a lot in sports, like for Mm -hmm the power of a visualization before a big event or a big game or something like that. And we don't use it enough in, in real life. I think one distinction is to like not spend all your time visualizing forever and then never actually get started, but it can be such a powerful tool that we can really, really use to our advantage. That's amazing. Yeah. 100% agree on the visualizing, but then also playing in action. For sure. Yeah. Action is always key. Definitely. Hey, Jenny, mm-hmm. this has just like been an absolute wealth of information. Do you have anything else that, that you want to really pass along to people that you want to really highlight um, for people to, to take away from the podcast moving forward? I would say to pull it all together that I would offer everyone listening to just start to go for the next small step like literally just the next one, not the next five or 10, just the next one step. And maybe to think about everything that we've chatted about and go back to what resonated with you the most or even what triggered you, what got you thinking and what do you really want to finally change or do differently and write that down, ask yourself why you want to change it until you come up with that soulful answer and then take the one next step that's going to move you in that direction. Mm, so so good I really really think that that's so important and a lot of us get stuck in to-do lists that are a mile long and then we never start on anything because it seems so overwhelming but we just have to pick one and just just go with it I love that so Jenny where can everybody find you oh thank you for this interview and the opportunity to share I've absolutely loved it and if everyone wants to keep in touch stay connected explore more of what wild wellness is all about you can find me at jennyholbert.com jenny with an i and h-u-l-b-u-r-t.com and i have a free download there actually that's sort of related to our, our conversation we've been having it's called how to get motivated from your soul to your souls and it's a practice that you can actually incorporate into whatever movement you love whether it's you know you're a runner or you like to bike or you're just take it on a walk whatever it is it really applies to your movement and your life so kind of makes you more mindful of knowing do I take a day off or tough it out and just practicing that um, that cycle of doing it when it's the right thing for you and oftentimes getting you past that motivation slump so you can download that at my website and on social media I'm at Jenny Holbert everywhere. Awesome. And I always ask uh, all my guests one last question. So if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Uh, I would end with my, one of my favorite quotes that when wild women wake, mountains will move. So ask yourself what that wild and healthy you would do and then do that. 
So beautiful. I love it. That's the perfect ending. <laughs> Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I, I'm really, really grateful uh, for you and for all the amazing information that you've given us today. I think that there's just so much great stuff here. And if we can all take even one one small tidbit away from this podcast, I think that, that we'll be able to, to all really move forward with some huge wins under our belt going forward. <laughs> I loved it. And I appreciate you so much, Emily. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.